time for a PBFG quick hitter. Welcome to the week 12 recap pod. I am Joe, the keeper of the reel at BMATFTS, and this is my co-host Alex. How's it going, Joe? Happy to be back. You guys can find me at I underscore like underscore sports six. So this week, uh, it's not done yet, but we might be turning a positive week. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it at all because um, I broke some of the rules that you told me not to break. Therefore, my week has been less fun. However, we are currently down less than 10, less than a tenth of a unit with Washington over Seattle minus one to go. So basically our week comes down to that very game, which I actually feel really good about because they got Curtis Samuel back today and a former quarterback, Logan Thomas. Haha, ha, motherfucker. Yeah, so I actually really like our edge in that game. I think Curtis Samuel will help them a lot too. I mean, I, at this point, I have no idea because these are two bad teams playing each other and who knows what happens, especially when you have volatile court, quarterbacks and Russ and Taylor Heineke. So I'm not by any means like, oh yeah, I feel great about this one, but I do think things are trending in the right direction for Washington and going in the opposite direction for Seattle. So I think it, that's that's our best bet um, is that just things are kind of turning for Washington. They're they're getting healthy and getting guys back in. So we'll see. Should we go over? Uh, should we go over our Turkey Day games and then also our pod picks, which are distinct things? Yeah, let's let's do the Turkey Day first. All right. So three games we had to pick each game. They were not necessarily pod picks, although later we did elevate Chicago to a pod pick. Because we handicapped that game perfectly. <laughs> uh, we both liked the Bears minus three. If only we had had the foresight to buy down one more point. Actually, I tried to. I legitimately spent all week trying to get minus two, but I couldn't find an anchor that I liked enough. So that's lovely. Um, whatever. Uh, we both liked the Raiders. So kudos to us for that. Because that game, I know that it went to overtime, but that was a fucking blowout that just didn't end up materializing the way it should have. Yeah, the Raiders were in control. And then finally, we had one of our very rare disagreements. You were on the Bills. I was on the Saints. I was praying that it would just be a sloppy, close game. It was not. It was sloppy on one end, not the other. Yeah, and that was why I went with it. Was It wasn't even for the Bills. It was just I don't expect anything of the Saints at this point, and they, they validated my my feeling <laughs> they were not good and trevor simeon was super much not good it, it was even really bad <laughs> but yeah yeah there's a reason he's a backup quarterback that has been bounced around from bad teams and i thought he retired a couple years ago to be honest um yeah so let's get to the pod picks because that's what everybody actually cares about that's what's real uh, we had so many, we had a bunch of picks that were stipulated to, and I, like, for instance, I wanted to take Cleveland. I thought Cleveland was the right bet. I thought it was the right side. You said no. So it wasn't a pod pick. It was just a Joe pick. Congratulations. Additionally, uh, I'm not happy about it. I'm, I'm <laughs> additionally, additionally, we elevated the Bears over Detroit from just a turkey pick to a bona fide pod pick. God damn it. And finally, we said we like the Rams, but you can't play it until you see how they look on the first couple drives. And I'm glad that we did that because immediately Alex called me like two minutes into the game and he says, yeah, so should we bet Packers? Because the Rams don't have it. So save ourselves from a bad pod pick there. 
it, yeah, they, they truly seem like they let you know if they're prepared and sh have showed up to play by the end of like the second series. You can tell because it seems like if Stafford's playing bad, the line's playing bad, and guys are missing on, you know, on the defense too, that they're just missing tackles, not making plays. So it's like a team effort. When, they all, when one guy sucks, they all suck. Uh, moving to Sunday, we had Tampa over Indy. That was our best bet, and uh, we got there. It looked like God was going to fuck us. Yep. The knuckle was inching ever closer to us, and we uh, we escaped with a fucking win. God damn it! Mm, finally. Yeah, that one that one felt good because we we've been on the wrong end of some some bad <laughs> covers what? or backdoor beats. And just everything. look at just look at Thursday. Just look at Thursday. Bears are winning by two. They have the ball at the two fucking yard line, first and goal. And instead of kicking the field goal to pay our asses, they take knees. Mm, that's that kind of asymmetric risk that you fucking hate as a gambler. And thank God Leonard Fournette was on our side with this one. So I will not say that that was a lucky win, because frankly, worst case scenario, we would have pushed. So fuck you. That's a real win. Yeah, honestly, you're right. In that worst case, it would have been a push. And Tom Brady had had some tough goes in that game. Yes. Which if, is Tom like, Brady, if Tom Brady gives us a C-plus performance and we still cover by four, I don't want to hear shit. Exactly. Uh, our other early games, Atlanta over Jacksonville. Simple. It was a, obviously it was a fair result. I don't think anybody would argue that. Breaking. Jacksonville's still bad. Uh, the other <laughs> one was Atlanta is bad. They're not god awful, <laughs> right? Like the people, the players on Atlanta should be employed in the NFL. Not all of them starters. Not all of them coaching at the quite quite the level of authority that they currently have. But they should all be here in Jacksonville. I'm not so sure. Starting with the head coach. Anyhow, cruising along to Carolina over Miami. That was a very fair result. We miscalculated some things, including Cam Newton's uh, usefulness on this earth. And Christian McCaffrey's ability to have his body not broken. That's yeah. a very clunky so, way like, of saying that. We deserved to lose that bet. Uh, finally, late slate, Minnesota over San Francisco. Minnesota plus three over San Francisco, although I would have taken it minus three too, probably. Uh, this is an iffy one because... Minnesota lost by eight. Minnesota on the penultimate drive of the game had the ball first and goal from like the five-ish, and they got no points at all. Any points at all, and were looking to be in decent shape for covering. Um, the final drive of the game, because the 49ers missed a field goal, Minnesota gets down to like the 15 or 20. No points. Plenty of time, just too much Kirk Cousins. So Kirk effectively had eight chances to get the ball into the end zone from striking distance, and he did not. And even if they miss the two-point conversion to tie, we win. We get our plus three. So, uh, but at the same time, we did bet on Kirk Cousins, and not even at one o'clock. Yeah, that's that's the thing we get to is we got some bad results late in that game. It probably should have had us get to a cover, but that's on us for counting on Kirk Cousins to do something not awful in the last eight minutes of the game. All right, let's do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get to the fucks. All right, Joe, let's uh, hop into I Fucked Up first. We can get the lumps out of the way and then uh, can brag a little bit. But first of all, the Carolina Panthers. They brought Cam back. He uh, let us all know that he was back. And then this week, he reminded us why he hasn't been on a team. That was beautifully put. And... Um... I fucked up beautifully in every way. Honestly, do you know what my handicap of this game was? Like, in my head, I was like, okay, I know the Dolphins suck, and I kind of like the Panthers' defense. I think that they are at least averagely coached, and Cam Newton's got to be a, at least a slight upgrade from Sam Darnold. 
because I haven't really watched him play since he returned to Carolina, but it seems from the highlights and the attention he's getting on Twitter that he has been serviceable, maybe even slightly better than he was in New England last year, which was bad, but probably better than Darnold this year. So I fucked up fundamentally because I I highlight scouted. I, I literally bought the hype on a player who I have been saying is 100% hype for six years. So yeah, I really fucked up and then I bet on it. Yeah, I know. I, I went right along with you. You know, I we've talked about Cam has been washed for a year and a half that we've been like very obviously washed. Like we, you didn't like him for years before that, but it's been apparent that even Cam stands have kind of been like, yeah, he needs to be not on the field all the time. But, you know, he had the exciting, exciting few plays against Arizona. The team looked good. Seemed like they're rallying around him. And if you put Cam in his good spots, he could do well. And also, I think where we fucked up was Christian McCaffrey is made of paper mache. Yeah. It's- I After what he did at Stanford, I would have never assumed that he would be so frail. Like, he did, he ran the ball every fucking play, and he never missed a game. And now he can't be healthy. And that might be why, though. He got so much run at Stanford, and then he got used like crazy at Carolina those first few years. So he, and he's not a humongous dude. He's pretty skinny. So just Uh, taking taking all those hits. Yeah, I I was talking to somebody, and they said, you know, you look at his body size, he's got more of the frame of, like, a slot receiver. He's built up a lot, but just his his general frame and his height, he's more of a receiver build that he's just worked out a ton. Actually, if you remember that draft, the the fun, like, every year— for a handful of prospects that are going to go in the first round there's the the thing that you say about this prospect if you're on like an espn flagship show that makes it kind of seem like you've looked into these prospects even though you barely know their names so like mike greenberg was even saying you know christian mccaffrey would probably be a first round pick if he came out as a wide receiver because he's got that good of wide receiver skills i made greeny sound way too manly but i would say that that actually was a better impression than i was expecting so kudos I got the cadence down from listening to a lot of Pardon My Take, but I don't have the voice down because my balls exist, which is a big impediment to being Mike Greenberg. Um, Anyhow, I can't wait until he never hears this and doesn't know he was slandered. So, But anyhow, I was legitimately thinking when I saw him go down in that game, like, why don't we just take Christian McCaffrey and make him a wide receiver like his dad because he's got legitimate burner speed and he's amazing after the catch. Like, that is Kadarius Tony level. That's Jerry Judy shit. I mean, he's probably not as refined, but why not? Yeah, and at this point, I mean, he played he, he played in seven games this year, two of which he got hurt in the first half. So he played five and a half, six games out of the season if you count it all up and add it all together. And he didn't play last year. I think I saw a stat that he's played 23 of, or he's missed 23 of 33 games since they signed him. So he's barely playing, and don't get me wrong, receivers get hurt too, but at a lower rate. It it might be worth it, especially because you're paying him $14 million a year. Yeah, and then you can playing. get him touches out of the backfield like Debo Samuel. But, I mean, all exactly. of this presupposes that he's on a well-coached, creative team, and there are, like, two of those left, and he's not on them. Yeah, and we, we might have gotten a little too excited about Joe Brady. But I think, ultimately, this game came down to we bought into the hype on Cam and thought that, Maybe he'd get fixed a little bit or have a hot run with the team. And no, we've seen him be bad for quite some time and should have trusted that. I will say, I saw on Twitter today that uh, Sage Sage Wizard, Wizard, 
going to cut that. I've seen on Twitter today that sage, wizard, knower of things, football, and not football, Steven Ruiz. I don't mean any of that. He's a fucking idiot who's very, very right about like one thing per month, and this isn't it. Uh, he was bandying about a screenshot that seems to absolve Cam Newton because the Carolina Panthers offensive line one through five all of them were significant f grades by pff standards one of them even had a zero grade on 37 snaps which doesn't seem possible to which i say i fucking watched that game cam was just really bad like he had five batted balls he had five batted balls where the pocket wasn't pushed i don't trust pff as far as i could throw my laptop open to pff's website and i mean frankly i think they're wrong i think the offensive line was probably subpar but okay I think Cam Newton's really fucking bad because we yeah, know he is. I, I think it was, you know, line's not good down there. No, but it's not like he was under siege. Yeah, and and some of it was of his own creation. But what do you have? Five for? Would you say five for twenty-four? Yeah, he was he was accurate on. Well, I didn't actually chart this game because I respect myself and my time. But he had five completions and nineteen not completions. Yeah, and it, so like I mean, you could break all that down, but. No matter what, that is a god-awful stat. He had at least as many batted balls at the line of scrimmage as he had completion. That's terrible. But I feel like we've spent enough time on this uh, terrible game. We can move on to another terrible game. The Minnesota Vikings did the Kirk Cousins thing and had the chance. They did the thing we know they're supposed to do. We fucked up. We trust. We thought Kirk Cousins would be able to do something in a tight game. Uh, if we want to be super meme we could talk about how we trusted Kirk Cousins to win a f- football game, and he couldn't even figure out which fat guy was his center. Uh, but if we want to be realistic, Kirk Cousins had first and goal from the five with a chance to tie the game, and he did not complete a pass. Kirk Cousins had first and 10 from like the 20 yard line with a chance to tie the game on the next drive because he was bailed out with a missed field goal and he still couldn't do anything. So Kirk Cousins imploded against a bad secondary. He actually had fairly good protection. Nick Bosa has reemerged as the guy that they thought Nick Bosa might be when they drafted him. Uh, he's very, very good again. Um, but, you know, that uh, Nick Bosa aside, it's not like the 49ers were like tearing up the pocket. It's not like the running game didn't work. It's not like he doesn't have the receivers to get open. Kirk Cousins was just god fucking awful again. And it's telling that most of our losing bets this week come from us simply betting on terrible quarterbacks, which might be a little bit of an overcorrection to our usual pattern of only betting on the best quarterbacks. Yeah, it probably was a bit of an overcorrection. We're working on finding that balance right now. I think another thing is just that like, there are certain teams that they're they're hard to bet on because they're very inconsistent. The league in general this year has been very inconsistent where there are so many teams that come out one week and look like they could you know, be a contending team in their conference. And then the next week they come out and look like they should draft in the top 10. It's, you know, you can go to the Browns, the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Bills, you know, the Bills have been a little bit more consistent, but it, at least their offense with Josh Allen has gone back and forth with horrible games. The Bengals have done it. The Steelers have done it. Hell, the Bears have done it a little bit. Um, it, it's so it it just seems like this year is very wide in who shows up. I don't know if it's still COVID things or why the league is weird, but it seems like outcomes are very inconsistent this year. So that's part of it where we're just trying to find that balance. We fucked up on betting on Kirk, but I think we're just working through how to how to work with a new NFL. 
Yeah, I think we're ready for our last I Fucked Up, which I think I should wear the blame for. Yeah, you go ahead so, and wear that one. In basically all of our handicaps, we, we laid out like 95% correct exactly how each game would go. We, we told you how Chicago would go. They missed a couple kicks and they needed out, so they didn't cover because they didn't want to. So like, fuck, we were totally right about that game, didn't make money. We were totally right about Oakland, thank God we bet on it. We were totally right about Tampa Bay, even despite some bullshit. We were totally right about Atlanta. We were totally right about Minnesota, other than Kirk Cousins imploding in the red zone, which we should have seen, but we missed. Yeah, that one I think we were generally right, because totally right. Well, I guess true. Well, I mean, they were out to a lead early. It looked like it was going to go. They were passing at will, and then all of a sudden it stopped. Yeah, but because it was ahead. a four o'clock, it was a four o'clock game with Kirk Cousins, which like apparently God has just ordained. If it's one o'clock, Kirk Cousins. If it's well, I gave a thumbs up for those of you who can't see us, which is all of you. And if it's not one o'clock, Kirk Cousins is a stinky dog turd on your shin. But the Sunday night football game, I told you exactly how it was going to go. Lamar was going to turn the ball over a lot. The Ravens would really struggle to move the ball. They wouldn't score. Their defense would be very vulnerable to the pass, but they would stop the run. It would be a low-scoring game, and the Browns would have every chance to win. And they did. But I didn't count on eight drops in 24 passes, was it? Let's let's see exactly how many. I think they ended up with 37 passes. I have 32 aimed passes and five throwaways. So of 32 aimed passes by Baker Mayfield, eight were dropped. Like, I, I think I think I heard that his stat line ended up being less than 50% completion percentage. He was accurate on 76.13% of his passes. What the fuck? Yeah, he, he completed 48% of his passes, but he said there were five throwaways. And I think officially there are four drops in the game. Uh, but yeah, you could go anywhere from four to eight. I think six is a pretty reasonable number, too, because there were I've seen two that didn't get credited to Felton and DPJ. And, I mean, but, like, we saw it on the very first drive. Baker Mayfield throws a strike to Donovan Peoples-Jones, hits him in the hands at the five-yard line. He totally fucking drops it. If he catches that ball, it's at least three more points on the board, which changes everything. It's probably yeah. seven, which changes everything. I mean, fuck, we, we saw it on the touchdown that the Browns did score. And Joku realistically dropped that fucking ball. It wasn't a perfectly thrown ball, but it absolutely had to be caught. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a little low, and Baker was trying to make sure Njoku didn't get his head taken off by the in between the safety and the corner that were coming to meet him. It probably was a little low, and Njoku made a nice grab. I really don't know if it was a catch. My initial thing was that it wasn't. I thought it hit the ground. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't. It, it probably wasn't a catch, it, but I don't care. Yeah, I think that one was 100%. It was going however they called it. Yep. But yeah, they just didn't have anyone that could get open. They didn't have anyone that could catch and the O-line was bad, but we kind of expected the O-line to be a little bad, but the, the receivers, it was just... Dude, I, I think that what we did wrong... So we kind of rebelled against the idea that the Browns have this amazingly stacked roster that was bandied about all summer because you get talking heads like Colin Cowherd loves to... He openly says the quiet part loud, and he says, like, you know, they were bad for all those years, so they got all these high draft picks, and those picks turn into really good players. Well, if you actually look at who the picks were and how the capital was spent, you'd see that the Browns have a lot of really glaring holes, like the worst wide receiver room outside Detroit and terrible linebackers outside of JOK, and no defensive tackles, and iffy offensive tackles, even when healthy. I mean, 
Conklin is really good when healthy, but he hasn't been healthy like ever. And Wills is fine, but I wouldn't say he's a good left tackle. They're, I mean, Baker Mayfield evaded pressure 13 times yesterday. That's fucking absurd. Lamar Jackson is like the electric pocket magician, and he had six evasions of pressure. So what the fuck? And that's against Miles Garrett and Jadevian Clowney. What the fuck? So anyhow, the Browns have a lot of like holes in their roster. And if you take away the quarterbacks and the coaches, their roster is amongst the worst in the NFL right now. And we kind of ignored that. Or at least I think it I, was. I did. We, we overestimated what people would be able to do that came in. Yeah. I think we expected OBJ and Baker to work this year. And it obviously did not. We expected the the line to maybe take that next step of Wills going from a, a rookie that was good pass pro, but a little inconsistent to, you know, like the, the f- top half of the first round pick that he was, a, you know, touted guy. And he's kind of taken a step back this year. He's been hurt, but he hasn't been great. He's been pretty replaceable. The safeties, we, we talked about, they don't really have a free safety. They have a bunch of strong safety and box safety types that need to be the near the line of scrimmage. But we just, we thought they'd be able to work it out or someone could switch and they have not been able to at all. So there were projections we made that didn't work. Well, and even more recently, we, even, even micro. And maybe this is where bias comes in, or maybe it's just that we have a fundamental misunderstanding of how football works in the year 2021. Because we're, we have the same problem with the Rams, but and we'll get to that in a minute. But basically, like we knew that the Browns had coming into this week, week 11, coming into week 12, we knew the Browns have very bad receiver, like barely NFL backup receivers. We knew that at Wills is not very good. He's okay. And then at right tackle, you've either got a hurt Conklin or Blake Hans, who is not good, worse than Wills. By significant margin. So... We knew that they had these glaring issues, and we knew they could be a problem. But I think we overestimate the floor of a replacement player. Like, you know what? Donovan Peoples-Jones should never be a wide receiver one. And when you have a guy who's a wide receiver three playing wide receiver one, he's going to drop balls that are thrown at him. And when you have an aging, broken-down, disinterested Jarvis Landry, and he drops balls, guess what? A healthy, young Jarvis Landry drop balls. That's what happens. Same with the Rams. Should we be shocked that Andrew Whitworth at the age of 52 is getting bull rushed by Rashawn Gary's athletic ass? No. So one thing that we've been doing a lot lately is, and this has worked, this has worked as recently as last year. If a team has a good quarterback and they're well coached and they have a few star players scattered about, they can usually put it together. But this year, that has not been the case. We see it with the Rams. We see it with the Browns. I mean, to the extent that the Browns are well coached, Baker Mayfield, despite what you may have heard, has actually been at least decent this year in a year where very few QBs have been. So it's, we need to look more to well-rounded teams. And this is why I have missed a little bit on the Patriots this year. Because yeah, they're not very talented. They're not actually good at anything. But the Patriots aren't going to hand you a win because they fucked up so badly. And a lot of teams this year are fucking up so badly that they're handing away wins left, right, and center. We saw two teams both try to hand each other wins on Sunday Night Football last night. It was so bad that the refs were getting confused. Yeah, we've definitely seen that a lot this year where, and I think this speaks to the inconsistency too, is that the teams just aren't, they're very even. And the quarterback position isn't, as important as it used to be, whether it's coaching has eliminated it or the quality of play of the quarterbacks has fallen across the league or just the other players have gotten better. It seems like the quarterback is worth less than it, than he used to be. And Seth playing into some of this and the quarterbacks 
are making more mistakes and the defenses are better. So we're getting a lot more of these turnover heavy games or, you know, kind of exciting backwards plays that I know has thrown us off because it goes against what a lot of football has been for the last few years, which is if you have the right quarterback, you're going to win the game or you, uh, you have a much better shot. Yeah. I, uh, I guess that can bring us to the fuck you pay me. And for my own sake, I'm going to need you to gloat a little bit because you told me not to fucking bet on the Browns. And Alex is standing in for basically all of our listeners because basically all of our listeners give me shit for being too high on the Browns. Yeah, I mean, this one, I know that the the Ravens have not been good this year. I mean, they continually try and lose games. Lamar is a turnover machine right now. Like, I mean, it's not just because of last night. He's been fumbling and throwing picks at a high rate throughout his whole career really uh where he, and he has those just like bad games where they snowball on him but he's been so bad all fucking year like literally f games almost every week and it never matters he he had a handful of games early in the year where he was actually real good with just like actually hitting his six yard throws yeah but last night when they tried to have him hit those six yard throws he was throwing them to Brown's linebackers and he's been doing that more this year, or he tries to, you know, run and take off. He's fumbling. He, he tried to fumble a couple times in the Sunday night game too. So I understand why you want to bet against him, but the Browns are such an absolute dumpster fire that we cannot touch them with a 10 football. I don't care what the number is. You can't bet on the Browns until next year. And then that's just like a, maybe because we still won't know. But right now, their line, their tackles are worthless. They're, everyone is going to sell out to stop the run because their quarterback is hurt and not playing super well. Because he does look like he's a little gun shy. He's playing, I think he's accurate, but I think he's still questioning himself a little bit. Come up. Here. And when he has tight windows with the bad receivers they have, if he hesitates like a little bit, it takes away the throw. So he has to be perfect. And he's not right now because he is too hurt and doesn't have the supporting cast. I don't know how much fucking better anybody in the NFL would be if they were healthy. The dude is put, he gave a B plus effort last night. Tom Brady yeah, didn't do he, that yesterday. He just had a couple really bad plays that really yeah. tank stuff. Like the, the fumble on the screen the game where it didn't look like there was a Raven within 25 yards of him. That really hurts. The, he did try and throw a pick. Like he really tried to throw that pick. He did. Uh, he did. So he was by no means perfect. And he did miss on a couple throws late in the game. Now, they were very forced throws because we were down and they had to be. And he was trying to put them in perfect spots where his receivers couldn't get to him. So that's where it hurts because he has to be perfect and he knows it. He's, I think you're right. And then he probably had, you know, in the, I, I would go a little lower than B plus. I would probably say it was like B or B minus just because I know it's silly. I know he doesn't have the people right now, but he still hasn't done the thing. Like he still hasn't been able to shake that. I can go make it happen even when things are going poorly. I think he plays really well, but it's like he gets to the line of like pushing through and getting into that conversation or being able to take over a game, but he doesn't quite do it. So the, Overall, they're just unbettable. The The defense is incredibly volatile. They're, you know, they could give up 50 points or six. And the offense, if they can't run, they're not doing anything because they have a conservative play caller with bad pass catchers and a hurt quarterback that isn't playing the best football, his best football. Okay, we've, we've browned a little bit, but not that much. I think it was all pretty pertinent. I think I, this is our final fuck you pay me is going to be 
we're really fucking good at this handicapping shit. We just need to trust ourselves. Like, if we kind of like a game but don't love it, we need to stay away. And if we like a game, we need to fucking bet it. Like, even if it's scary. And this has manifested itself in a few ways. I already went over how basically all of our handicaps played out like a fucking movie script on Sunday. Like, it's like they read what we said. But also, I, I said for about a year, all the way up, and even, even this August, I said, like, the Browns are just the kings of stockpiling draft capital and cap space and then getting players that I don't like. Like, I hate Jarvis Landry. When he was with the Dolphins, I said, he's not a, he should not be one of your top two wide receivers. He's bad. I hated OBJ. I said, he should not be a top two wide receiver on your team because while he's explosive and exciting, he actively hurts your offensive production because of his ego and the fact that you have to force him the ball, the fact that he drops a lot of balls, like, the good is very good, but it doesn't make up for the bad, uh, even though he's fun. And, like, you just go through the fucking list. John Johnson, like, so many players on that team. I said, I think he's super overrated. I don't like that player. It probably makes their team better, I guess, because it's a big name, but I think it's a terrible value signing. And sometimes if it's a terrible value signing and you have enough of them, they're actually just bad players. And even if I sound like a fucking crazy person saying Odell Beckham Jr. is a bad wide receiver that makes your team worse... I don't seem that fucking crazy now, do I? Literally six years ago, or seven years ago, I don't fucking know. I was in high school, and I was sitting with my buddies, and I said, Cam Newton's going to be out of the league in five years. He's terrible. He can't fucking throw accurately. He can't throw with any consistency, and he doesn't know how to read a defense. He's not going to be in the league in five years. I mean, re-signing with the Panthers and Patriots these last couple years at the last second has kind of hurt how prescient I was, but like, <laughs> I think Cam Newton kind of wishes he retired two years ago. His legacy would be a lot better. So we need to fucking, like, times are tough right now. November has been terrible for us relative, especially to October and September. But we got to stick this shit out. We got to have some courage in our convictions. And we can't be afraid of sounding like the crazy guy. Because the crazy guy makes money. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think, I think we saw that this week, too, with the, I know personally, we talked about the Raiders. We're like, yeah, it's a great bet. I talked about the Bills. I really like that bet. But I was, you know, there were big numbers and I didn't love them. And I just watched and I was like, wow, these games played out like exactly how I thought they might. And I'm sitting here with nothing. The only game I bet on was Chicago. We've, we've got to be, we've got to be more like that Brooklyn dad on Twitter who responds to every political tweet. Defiant. Yeah. I mean, like there are, there are ones that we, we should continue to stay away from. And like the, the Browns we stay away from. Yeah. And the Rams, you got to wait and see what they're doing. But Honestly, I might fade the Rams just because, and we'll get to this in our angles, but like they really don't have any good players outside Matt Stafford, and Matt Stafford hasn't been good. So what are we doing? We'll, we'll get into it. But yeah, we will. Yeah, so we, as long as we stick to like our, we don't break our rules, which was one of the things we've talked about in the past, and then we just stick to our thing. We're good at this handicapping thing. We'll figure it out. The market will correct itself and come back to it. It always does. All right. All right. With that said, do you want to go jump into some angles, see how we can uh, help the market correct itself? Grab your rod, grab your reel, let's go angling. I just made that up as I went. That was very nice. It's going with the free-balling theme, can I just continue my little talk on the Rams? Because I don't like saying this, but I think we might have a fade here. We might. Okay. So one, I love the Rams coming into this season. And they just lost very publicly in an embarrassing way. And they're coming off three consecutive losses. So now would be a bad time to start fading them just as a rule. Um, also, keep in mind that I think this is the exact week that I gave up on the Buccaneers last year. Uh, I mean, obviously I was on them in the playoffs. I bet them every week and I made money every week. But I kind of lost hope 
even after the bye last year when they played the Vikings and they covered and they beat them, I was like, I didn't like how they did it. So I'm still off. Uh, so I'm not going to just blanket give up on the Rams. I'm going to monitor them closely. I'm going to grade every game from them for the rest of the season. Hold me to that. But Stafford had another C-plus performance. He had exactly as many negative plays as positive plays. He didn't throw a pickable during the uh, the portion of the game that was competitive. His pick six was an on-target throw that just his receiver didn't make a play on, and the defensive back made a great one. So, like, I'm not going to blame him. It, was, it hit the guy in the hands. Um, it was a bad throw because it was a little late, but it wasn't pickable. Um, but you tell me there's a team out there that has a bad offensive line because it's bad. It's not like Brown's bad where, like, pieces of it are weak. The whole offensive line, one through five, is, like, not good. And their wide receivers, Cooper Cup is a great slot receiver. That's all he is. Don't let these fucking people out here confuse you into thinking that he's some kind of elite wide receiver. That's those people. If one, if they have any integrity, they're also chanting that Julian Edelman needs to be in the Hall of Fame because it's the same guy. And frankly, I don't think they watch. I don't think they watch tape that shows route angles. I hate being the guy who's like, they don't watch the All-22 because it's mostly bogus. You, if you watch the broadcast, they'll show you the wide receivers running the routes on basically every play. But yeah, you got to watch the All-22. Cooper Cup's not doing anything fucking too special. Um, so you got wide receivers in flux, including OBJ, who's an active cancer. I think that's pretty... Does that go without saying at this point? I don't think it goes without saying because people still want to like him. And he did have a... Uh... A long touchdown last game but you're definitely getting mounting evidence that offenses get worse when he's involved even if he's personally successful it's like he stagnates the rest of the offense yeah the things that you have to do to facilitate obj being happy and successful also make you worse just like jarvis landry for exactly opposite reasons um so we've got a team with a bad offensive line a problematic wide receiver core Nothing really to speak of at tight end. I mean, it's perfectly average. Their running game doesn't seem to be effective anymore. They have a terrible secondary because say what you will about Jalen Ramsey, but Aaron Rodgers stole his ankles in the open field for a touchdown. I'm going to repeat that. Aaron Rodgers, 37, 38, one of those. Late 30s, something like that. Old ass fucking hobo looking ass Aaron Rodgers with his hippie bullshit and his broken toe that he won't shut up about juked Jalen Ramsey out of his motherfucking kneecaps. It happened for a touchdown. Also, every time Devontae Adams wanted a slant against Jalen Ramsey, he had it. Every time. So, shout out to that one dude who absolutely has a crush on Jalen Ramsey and kept on asking me how many touchdowns he had allowed in the game, and I was like, well, I mean, if you want to be a bitch, yeah, one to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> but, like, if you want to really be a little stat-fucking dick, I, yeah, but... This is a team with a lot of fucking holes, man, and a great coach and a quarterback who has been great, but apparently his back is falling apart, and maybe he just isn't that great anymore. I don't fucking know, but it it, it looks fadeable. This is now when they turn it around. Exactly. That's where I, I'm not ready to jump into, like, hey, we need to fade them, just because they, deal, they still do have so much talent on more so the offense, uh, coaching talent, quarterback talent, and Cooper Cup. Well, he's not a world beater. He knows how to get open. He's an incredible slot guy, which is so yes. very valuable to yes. them. I mean, you know, he's, he's a reliable not... NFL receiver that should start. That's a thing. That's a thing that is yeah. and and I would be I would be thrilled to have him on you know whatever team I was rooting for. Like damn because near. he's it's Cooper Cup. Yeah, because he's going to get open. He's going to catch the ball, and he's a little slippery. Losing Robert Woods hurt them. The granted, I think OBJ might be great for Fan Jefferson because I I, I think that the. <laughs> 
I think that the problem with losing Robert Woods, it's not as fucking run blocking, you absolute fucking idiots. Wide receiver run blocking barely affects running plays, which barely matter. It's not the fact that he's so, he's got such a great skill set. It's that Robert Woods was consistent and solid. He was a B to B minus wide receiver who has no real holes in his game. And you replaced him with a lot of OBJ, who is a cancer. If you have Robert Woods on the field, OBJ gets to slide down the depth chart. You use him for gadget plays and get him hit the ball in space instead of actually relying on him to run routes, which is something that he refuses to do properly. Yeah, so they're, they've, they've gotten hurt there. The line, yeah, just has not worked out. They've been kind of trying to like patchwork it the last few years, and it has gone back to not working. And you're exactly right on the defense. Their secondary is just atrocious and... Aaron Donald is not enough to make their line and pass rush good enough. Wait, I thought they have Von Miller and Leonard Floyd. <laughs> exactly, that's the uh, problem. <laughs> Von Miller would have been an incredible acquisition seven years ago. Two years Hell, ago. even, yeah, even just before his ankle surgery last year. Leonard Floyd, I don't know, that that was never really a great choice. But Put simply, when the, Bears drafted, when the Bears drafted Leonard Floyd, I had a Chicago flag draped around my neck like a cape because I was still a Bears fan at the time, and I literally fell on my face. Literally fell to the ground on my face, upset, because they had wasted the ninth pick in the draft. You weren't happy they spent a top 10 pick on a 24-year-old spot edge rusher? It wouldn't have been so bad if he didn't have one sack in his senior year at Georgia. Like, like not yeah, only were his athletic Hunter numbers... That. Yeah, but Daniil Hunter had awesome athletic numbers and legitimate excuses related to playing time and his mental health that kept him off the field. Yeah, I wasn't making a legitimate. He also wasn't picked 10th overall, and he was 20 instead of 24. Yeah, but the Rams, so their their defense, they don't have an elite unit that can kind of cover up the mistakes of the lesser, you know, where they have weaknesses. And then the offense, you're right, and then it's a lot of decent dudes with Cooper Cup, who's, you know, very good. And Stafford, he's hurt. He's not... He's not making all the throws perfectly, and it looks like it's wearing on him a little bit. And it makes sense. I mean, this is his first year where he's in a high-pressure situation. He's He missed half the season because he broke his back last year. What do we think? 30-something-year-old man is just going to get a new back? Yeah. Um, it's all, you know, it's a whole new team, whole new city, all new coaching, especially from being in Detroit for the first, what, 11 years? 12 years. Now he goes to a new place. So I understand why his mental could be messed up and it's easier to start falling apart. So they just seem like a team that they need to get their heads right because they do have talent and they have such good coaching that they can be able, or they should be able to cover things up. But with their heads where they're at right now, it doesn't seem like they're a confident team or like they believe they can work themselves out of these issues. And it's looked like that since, you know, for the last four weeks because they looked bad for two straight games, went into the bye, and came out of the bye and looked bad again. So until I won't bet on them until I see them do something, like they look like a team that trusts themselves and believes in themselves. You know what? It, it's fucking, it's funny. Football is a really simple game. It's a really simple game. Because if Matt Stafford was having the A performances that we expected him to, none of this shit would matter. If Matt Stafford was an A quarterback over the last three games, they probably win two of those games, but he's been bad. And for the at the beginning of the season, he was a B plus quarterback consistently every game, B plus, B plus, B plus, and that's gone. If that came back, the Rams win last night. If that came back, the Rams at least have a competitive game with Tennessee. They probably beat them. So like sometimes it's that simple. And maybe that we can't count on that coming back. And maybe we need to factor in the likelihood that quarterbacks play poorly this year. 
at a higher rate because like there are no good quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Yeah, we're we're getting ahead of ourselves there, but yeah, so I I think the the conclusion on the Rams is that probably look to fade them, but maybe not quite yet because it is a, a team with a new quarterback and a new D coordinator and a handful of new guys coming in. So they might have needed a little bit of time to gel. So I'm not ready to jump straight off of it and say immediately bet against them. But it's probably where we look to unless for me, unless I see the the Rams come out in one game and just like put their dick on the table. Um, This is going to bring me to our second angle, which is kind of another global angle. But I realized it when I was, I was watching the Buccaneers game and I realized that the Buccaneers just consistently give up anything between 5 and 15 yards passing, like any route between 5 and 15 yards, it's easy. You could take it. And I thought it would get better when they got their cornerbacks back, but they got most of their cornerbacks back, and it was not different. And then I realized that I understand what's happening. Todd Bowles, for all his genius, because he is a very good defensive coordinator, but he seems really inconsistent, right? And it's frustrating. But basically what's happening is that they're running a bend-but-don't-break defense in – every regular season game that isn't of significant consequence. And they're modifying it by blitzing in really creative ways. So they're going to give you the short routes and even the short to intermediate routes, but you're not going to be able to run on them. And they are going to bet that in the 10 plays it takes for you to methodically work the ball down the field, they will get a sack or they will get an interception or that you will just be a bitch, run the ball three times and get stuffed and punt. So, oh, it would be terrible to see what Kevin Stefanski does against the fucking Buccaneers. I'm not browsing. So this kind of, and and for a little bit of recap, that strategy worked really well against the Colts because once every 10 plays like clockwork, they would get a big sack. Once every 10 plays like clockwork, they would get a pick. So it, it it's working for them. And I've realized that this kind of bend but don't break defense, it's becoming increasingly prevalent in the NFL. And to some extent, it's working in the NFL But the reason that the Buccaneers version is more effective is because they do keep it exotic and they do commit to stopping the run. Whereas you look in in San Diego, they literally play prevent defense or, you know, the Chargers. Brandon Staley plays a prevent defense. He says you can run all you fucking want. You can throw short all you fucking want, but you can't throw deep. And that does not work at all because teams will take what you give them. It is the reason that teams like the Patriots are so consistent because when they play a bend but don't break defense, they are going to continue to bend you and then they are never going to have that terrible fucking play because they don't even ask their players to do anything difficult and as long as you don't stuff their run which a team like the Buccaneers will but a team like the Chargers won't a team like the Browns won't they are going to score yeah it's interesting this kind of shift because that philosophy does sound a lot like what the Browns and Joe Woods have talked about or Brandon Staley and the Chargers have talked about or you know the Rams have done to a certain extent of we're gonna count on you to make a mistake in one of these 11 plays that you're going to need to go down the field. We're, but we're not going to let you get any big plays and we're not going to let you just like beat the shit out of us. Cause the Browns early in the year, they were a good run team that played everything 10 yards off the field, uh, 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, but you have to be able to stop deep passes too for this. Yeah. And so and I the Browns just don't have a safety. So every arm punt is a completion. Yeah. And, and when you go to the chargers, they just don't have the guys to stop the run. They actually have very good guys to make sure you don't get deep on them, but they can't stop the runs. So then teams can just bully the shit out of them and they don't have to worry about throwing a pick or taking a sack because they can just keep running. So it, it seems like that, that defense is a good, good plan, but if you don't have the guys, you're screwed. It actually makes so much sense. 
it, it and makes other so much defenses sense in this NFL because let me fucking talk because I had an epiphany and I'm gonna lose it. <laughs> if we want a cogent thought for me, it's gotta come out right now. It makes so much sense to run the bend but don't break defense in this era of NFL offense because all of the fucking discourse is about how the running game doesn't matter and all that really matters is the passing game. And the reason for this is because of chunk plays that can create offense quickly, right? Because it's very hard to do 10 to 15 consecutive positive or not negative plays. And if you can run a prevent defense properly, a bend but don't break defense properly, you can effectively turn a team's passing game into their running game. You can turn a team into Jim or Jim Bob Cooter or Adam Gase's offense, which is just three-yard passes, a.k.a. an extended handoff. And that does lend some credence to PFF's version of grading quarterbacks rather than mine because they give you a lot of credit for not fucking up the easy shit, and I give you no credit for it. So, like, if you hit 10 consecutive pedestrian passes, I'm going to give you a zero grade. That's a C, and PFF is going to give you an awesome grade because you haven't fucked up. Uh, I mean, it all comes out in the wash relative to one another, but just a food for thought thing. Yeah. And this defense philosophy thing has been interesting because it's been created to stop the teams like the Chiefs and the teams like the Seahawks. And we've seen that because Mahomes has, you know, uh, he's always a gambler that took deep shots and everything. You knew that was part of his game. But this year, whether it was luck that has reversed or other teams are just more prepared for it. So those balls that would be like circus oh my goodness, how was nobody there from the defense? That guy was so open down the field that teams are just sitting up high. It's the same thing with Russell Wilson. Teams are just sitting up high and saying, throw eight yards. Let's see if you can do it every time. And with the way we, the NFL has been baking quarterbacks, which is they're taking physical freaks that they try and turn into guys that can hit the simple stuff enough, but they're looking for their big playmasters. And those guys tend to be more mistake prone. So that's, I think that's why we're seeing this. And it's part of the shift back and how it's kind of the fun, ever-evolving NFL game. Yeah, and like that's why Mac Jones is getting by this year despite being a bad quarterback. The Patriots are asking me to do nothing. They're saying like, hey, you might be a fucking schmo, but a fucking schmo can hit a three-yard slant, so do that twice. And I will say Mac Jones has had some nice games where he's, he's lasered some nice throws. He doesn't do it often, but he when they've needed him to, he's had a couple nice throws. Yes, but like literally a couple. Like you can count them yeah. on. Yeah, it's it's not a ton, but they simply don't ask him to, and he's just come through on the the few that they have. So you would think that Dak, the king of the checkdown, the king of reading his progressions well, but not amazingly, and just like getting what a play is scheduled to give you, would be thriving in this bend but don't break NFL. However, as soon as you take away his elite support staff he turned into shit for two straight weeks maybe two out of three weeks i don't know but he was bad against the Raiders again yeah honestly it kind of reminds me of the baker situation in that when a guy's receivers go down and he's playing with people he's not used to the line goes down they get uncomfortable now i think Dak is still in a much better situation than baker is because michael gallup would be the number one wide receiver on the browns right now Easily. And I would be Easily. so happy. Oh, yeah. And it is, so the, the Cowboys have better things working for them, but it's still both teams are their offenses are wildly undermanned from what they expect them to be. And I think it makes the quarterbacks uncomfortable. And Dak especially, he needs to be comfortable because he is so decisive and smart in his reads. But if he's not comfortable, if the guy's going to be in the spot that he needs to be, or I'm going to have three seconds to throw the ball or anything like that. 
and when he doesn't have that, I think he panics a little bit. And I think that's what happens to Baker too. Well, I think I don't want to get into a Baker thing, but it's it, we see when when guys have the people they're counting on go down, even if the drop off isn't huge talent wise. If they're uncomfortable, they get way worse. I think that that's exacerbated in Dak's case, though, because one, we have years of evidence that Dak Prescott is not a particularly good quarterback. He transcends nothing. Um, but two, when he doesn't have the elite skill players that are always getting separation, they're not just open, but they're separated. And they also, in his particular case, all have awesome catch radiuses, and he's getting tons of protection from his offensive line, and his running backs are both very good in literally every facet of the game, including blocking. And when that goes away and he's forced to deal with just having a good cast instead of a great one, he doesn't have the arm talent to transcend. Like, if a, if a guy is open but not separated, he can't hit him. If a guy is open a little too far downfield, he doesn't have a very powerful arm. Like, it's it's the Baker problem but turned up. Because, frankly, I think if Baker was playing for these Cowboys with this team, we would already be making his face in bronze. That might be a little a little aggressive. But At the I very do least, think they, his dick would be on the there. lips of every single media person. Yeah, I mean, part of it is that then he'd be on the Cowboys and just the, the, the shift from the Cleveland Browns to the Dallas Cowboys, especially him yes. being from Texas. I'm, I was aware of the storyline when I said it because I wanted to couch myself. Yeah, uh, but he, Baker still, and again, I think some of it is because he's hurt and he doesn't trust his line. He doesn't trust his receivers. So that's part of it. But he still doesn't make clean enough reads for me that I can just say like automatically he's he would be making the Cowboys a, a you know a Super Bowl team or enough to put bigger in the Hall of Fame but I do think the Cowboys would be oh boy yeah the, the Cowboys say would it. be better yeah they'd be a lot fucking the better. Be better they I've I watched every have... snap of both of these guys career I've graded every snap of both of these dudes careers before this year I know the floor Baker's would be better. lower on Baker the floor would be lower on Baker he would have he would probably lose you a game that Dak won't lose you yeah but Baker can go win you games at Dak. The ceiling would be a lot higher, as with the doors and the windows and the tabletops. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that that will be received well, because I'm even jumping in with you on this one. But well, you know what we can yeah, say yeah. to all those people: fucking fade us. I don't know how you're gonna find an angle on that bet, but I welcome Especially anybody who can invent a bet. <laughs> we don't bet on the Browns anymore, so can you get us yeah. on that one? <laughs> all right. Um, same game. Derek Carr is also bad. <laughs> I mean, his supporting cast was not hurt, and it's actually still pretty good because Deshaun Jackson is a capable replacement for Henry Ruggs. Uh, he's just not good, and he's been trying to throw picks all year, but they've been getting dropped a lot. Um, I found an angle on Thanksgiving somehow between the turkey and beer. Whenever he plays against a team with good, like a secondary with good ball skills, that's when you got to fade Derek Carr. Now, that's a little bit of a misnomer because you're probably thinking like, oh, but but the Cowboys have the cornerback with the best ball skills in Trevon Diggs, and his kid was adorable on Thanksgiving. Oh my God, did you see that fucking tweet? Yes, that kid is amazing. He is he is purity for the entire country. Oh, the 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 tweeting question is it's it's a video of Trevon Diggs' son, and he's saying like he's thankful for all the quarterbacks to throw the ball to his dad. Wow, and he should be because his dad has literally been gift wrapped like. A solid 10 to 15 million dollars he doesn't deserve uh just on whatever contract extension he eventually gets but anyhow you're saying trevon diggs he's got great ball skills why didn't you fade Derek carr against him like why did they cover by 15 points in this particular case to which i say trevon diggs can't run with 
any of the receivers he needs to be running with in order to cover the Raiders. I'm talking about teams like the Buccaneers that have ball... I mean, they're not ball hawking because they're not particularly great secondary members, but they can all go up and catch the ball. Carlton Davis, great hands. Sean Murphy Bunting, decent hands. Antoine Winfield, as we saw, great hands. The Chargers, Derwin James, great hands. Uh, Asante Samuel Jr., not as good as his dad, but good hands. That's who you got to watch out for. Teams that can run with their receivers, but also have good hands. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good way to look at it because we have been talking about Carr getting lucky all year where especially so early lucky. in the season where he was you know he had like a thousand yards in like three games or something like that <clears throat> and people were you know early mvp conversations are worthless but he was thrown into it a little bit and i know at least i was like how i don't watch every <laughs> raider game but I've, I've watched enough Derek carr that i mean he's fine he's the epitome of a guy that you're happy with and he can be your quarterback for 10 years but he it, it's exactly it's right along the deck line that's why we're comparing him right now but he just doesn't do anything special he lofts balls he's kind he's, of a bitch yeah i mean i i don't think i have no idea how he is in a locker room but he seems like he's a little oh I don't, I don't care about any of that i'm just saying when he sees pressure he panics and in, in the past uh, that was taking sacks and making hilarious fumbles Jameis winston style but now it has turned into throwing the ball as high and far as he can off his back foot and it's been getting caught and if you play a team like the browns who have no secondary it will get caught but if you play a team like the chargers the buccaneers the bears if they throw to the right half of the field <laughs> the Patriots especially the Bills the Titans that ball is getting picked all right so anytime the the Raiders play anyone with uh corners and DBs that can run with the receivers and catch the lofted balls bet on them do not bet on the Raiders fade the hell out of them yeah um I found another angle while I was watching Tampa and that's just that the Buccaneers really start slow and I thought it was just a coincidence, but like Brady's looked really bad at the beginning of games lately, to the point where even I start to panic and I have ultimate faith in him. So the same way that we have a history of thinking, or not thinking, but like we bank on the Packers coming out and looking hot on their first drive, we can similarly bank on the Buccaneers coming out and not looking hot on their first drive. So this will inform our live bets if we, let's say there's a game where it's Tampa minus five and we want it down at like minus three. Give it a drive. If they cruise down and score, you're probably not finding value on that game anyways, but if they stall for a drive or two, you might get that number you want. Yeah, it's like uh, Tom's old bones got to take a little bit longer to warm up now. Because <laughs> not yeah, well greased anymore. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, I at, at halftime, I was pretty much like, ah, well, that bet didn't hit. That's yep. another tough best bet loss. And because Tom was not playing well. I and mean, when Tom's not playing well, they have, there's nothing. They have no shot. <laughs> But then they they turned it on, and also Fournette carried them and made some nice plays late in that game to help seal it up. But I think they are just that team that takes a little bit. They're they're the train that has to get rolling. But once they get moving, they're they're still an elite offense that has a defense um, kind of on the the top of the you know schematic revolution we're seeing well and when they play games that they care about like playoff games and big games against teams that they're rivals with Bulls does develop legitimate defenses where he presses up a little bit or he will switch up his coverages a little bit and it is a lot better because like a bend but don't break works every week but it's not ideal at all I think that when the push comes to shove, the Buccaneers will still roll out that single high, a little bit of press coverage with a blitzer or two that they showed in the playoffs last year with great success. Yeah, but either way, they're when they care, 
they play well and they they have the ability to switch it up on defense and they're they're even enough on the defensive side where they're strong on the d-line they're not incredible in the secondary or linebackers but they've got good players that they can count on they have some depth too at corner where they have like three guys that they have some there's some amount of faith in to put out there and the safeties have been doing well i mean winfield has been such a such a hit of a pick for them I, a local Tampa reporter, shout out to my boy Reed, who just got down on the Redskins for me because he lives in New Jersey and I don't want to have to take a ferry over to New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> GPSs, man, they're bane of my existence. Anyhow, there was a local reporter in Tampa who legitimately opined that the Buccaneers fucked up by drafting Antoine Winfield Jr. because they could have and should have had Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, and he like he was really being serious, and lots of Buccaneers fans were like, oh, yeah, could you imagine how good we'd be if we had a slightly better version of Leonard Fournette? Damn. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, Jonathan Taylor's had a nice little, like, explosion this you? year, <laughs> but he's he still isn't, like, some incredible talent to me. No. He was... He, he was good in college. Yeah, he's he he's fast and he's strong and he doesn't have much agility and he's not particularly amazing at breaking tackles. He's going to he's a lot like Melvin Ingram. Eh, fine. Yeah. So, don't get me wrong, I mean, he's a valuable player that is helping out that team a lot, but yep. hell, you can find running backs wherever. And finding a good safety that can cover the, you know, a half of the field and play slot. And play slot and I mean, Winfield's good near the line of scrimmage too. He can hit people. He's very Tyron Matthew-esque. That was my conference yeah. now, and that's what he is. Yeah, so, I mean, that you do that every single time over a running back. It's not even a question. Do we have any other angles or any other uh, astute observations that we made this week? I think that's it. You know, we, we have some, some good ones moving forward, but uh, I don't see anything else that's jumping out at me right now. All right, then I guess we have one final segment, Joe's QB room, where I tell you what the QBs looked like this week. Once again, it was How shit. How did it look this week, Joe? It was terrible. I don't understand. We haven't seen good quarterback play on a league-wide basis for a fucking month. How am I supposed to bet on these teams when they're trotting out fucking matching quarterbacks? I mean, they're not. These are NFL star quarterbacks, and they're just not playing well. Justin Herbert, yeah, it's... Tom Brady, not playing well. Matt Stafford, not playing well. Russell Wilson, terrible. Patrick Mahomes, passable sometimes? I don't get it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has been up and down this year, too. I mean, he still hits his highlight awesome plays, but, like, for the most part, it's not very impressive. Yeah, I mean, he because his deep ball is still incredible, and that's the, the best thing for him. But he's he's had some, like, halves here and there. He's had games where he's just kind of been, like, game manager-esque, which is fine. But it, yeah. it just goes to your point that there's no one that's like, oh, my God, this guy is – you are helpless against him. He is going to wreck your game no matter what. Brady has still done that a good eight or nine times, but there are games like this week and two weeks ago where it's like, who are you? Like exactly. The Saints game. The Saints game. Ugh. Yeah, and, and that one seems like the Saints just have his number a little bit too, but in general, he's he's by far been the best. Yeah, he should yeah, still win and be been... going away, but we'll see. I could see they'll this. Get, they'll give it to talking about a year where they give it to a non-quarterback. None of the quarterbacks deserve it this year. And like, hey, Who's we could actually change it up a little. Who's been that good? I don't know. That's the Derrick other Derrick Henry's died. Yeah, it, Derrick Henry probably had the best one with his with his stats, but. They tried to make Jonathan I'm, Taylor into Derrick Henry, and then he did nothing against Tampa. 
Derrick Henry, this is a side. I am I am really curious to see if this is Derrick Henry. Like this is, you know, the the end, the first rock of the landslide. Because a lot of these, it seems like a lot of the running backs that are physical bruising guys, they last for a while. And then it's like once one injury happens, they just can't get out of it because their body is broken down. I mean, the, the also, go-to is always Earl, Earl Campbell. But I mean, you, we even see, we just talked about CMC. He got run into the ground for what, seven years between college and the Panthers before they gave him that big contract. And then since they gave him the big contract, eight years, whatever, however long he played, but he just got crazy touches and now his body is falling apart. Same thing happened to Cam. Same thing happens to a lot of running backs. I mean, Le'Veon to an extent, the year off probably did a lot, but he got run like crazy at MSU where he was getting 400 carries a season and stuff like that. And then the the Steelers did the same thing and he hasn't been the same since. So this might be where Derrick Henry is hurt and now it's just going to be the injuries pile up because he is getting older, but who knows? Cause he's still very good. Uh, you know what it is? Watch. You know, what's going to be the curse for him is that his foot it's his foot. It's an inner foot fracture. It's a Jones fracture. That's what Julio Jones has been dealing with on and off for the last eight years. And Julio Jones is not a bruiser, and he does not take a lot of hits, and it still fucks him up every other week. Like Julio doesn't play football. He hasn't five years because he has a foot fracture that you can you just can't fix them. There are too many tiny little bones, and they hurt way too much. Yeah, and especially when you have that much weight and power being transferred through your feet. Because not only are they heavy, but they're also just so strong that the amount of force they're putting in the ground through their foot is absurd. All right. I think that sums it up for week 12. I think we've touched on about everything we got to touch on. I'm going to reiterate one more time. The fucking quarterbacks are not goddamn good, which means we need to evaluate with the soundness of a team in its totality in mind, which is a fun way of saying, like, pay attention to the other positions particularly like the offensive line, the defensive line, and the secondary. Yeah, basically, you know, those cornerstone positions people talk about in the draft of you're picking the top three, you want to go either quarterback, offensive tackle, defensive end, or, you know, edge rusher, or a corner. It's basically now you just look at who has good players at those positions that aren't a quarterback, because <laughs> those, yeah. those are who are deciding games this year. Is your line play? And then if people can actually catch the picks that so many quarterbacks have been trying to throw. Yeah, with that, let's pray for a Redskins win. Uh, you guys are all going to either be fucking laughing at us or, hey, you're probably just going to be fucking laughing at us because this game is probably going to go terribly wrong in some completely unforeseeable way and we will lose our week on it. But either way, please watch the football games so that you don't say stupid shit, which will force me to ask you to please bet on football games. Hasta.